Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Adon, Adon, Olam, Asher,
There we go. JM in the AM Friday morning broadcast on this June 1st. Wow. Are we almost halfway through 2018? That's amazing. 18th of Sivan, 5778. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Balos. Candlelighting at 8 o'clock. Candlelighting in New York at 8 o'clock tonight. Yoel Sharabi, with, uh, we worked him in a couple of times in the opening uh, segment of JM in the AM. That's his Shalom Aleichem. Aryeh Kunstler had Ayla. Lecha done by uh, Mordechai Shapiro. Shlaimi Kaufman had Aishas Chayel. Ain Od Milvado, that's Aspaklaria, Yoel Sharabi with Adon Alam, and of course Regesh with Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. JMNAM Friday with 67 degrees in New York. Morning showers and a high of 82. Then tonight, cloudy skies, a low of 68. Tomorrow afternoon, thunderstorms for Shabbos and a high of 81 degrees. We're at 74 in Yerushalayim, 67 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday. Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday. Brought to you by our friends from Aleh. They present our broadcast from Fifth Avenue. Join us, everybody. Facebook Live, NahumSiegel.com, NSN app. A lot of different ways for you to enjoy the sights and sounds of Fifth Avenue with us. This coming Sunday, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, all presented by Aleh. Big thank you to our, uh, our sponsors, including Carmel Winery. Rothenberg Law Firm, Uden's Appliances, and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. We thank all of them for their cooperation and help as we broadcast the parade coverage this coming Sunday. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I hope so. Sure it will be. And come on out. Can't emphasize it enough. Don't let the weather scare you. As we say, err on the side of going as opposed to the other way if it's cloudy weather. Be there with your family, show your kids, show your grandchildren that it's uh, that it's important. You may, you might, I don't want to make a suggestion that would, you wouldn't be comfortable with, but you might even consider taking your children or grandchildren out of school if they have school on Sunday to show them the importance of hitting the streets and enjoying and celebrating Israel. I saw Shmuel Sackett yesterday, who um, is from the Zehut Party, right? Is that what they call it? I think they call it the Zehut Party. Ran into him yesterday. He's in the United States. Says, of course, he'll be going to the parade on Sunday. And he'll also, no doubt, uh, be uh, the target uh, over the weekend of those who are making fun of the fact that he's going to the parade. Because he says he lives in Israel and understands the importance of, of, a, of a public demonstration celebrating Israel. Especially outside of Israel. But unfortunately, not enough people in our community get that. So start getting it, everybody. Start getting it. Be there. Be there this coming uh, Sunday on Fifth Avenue in New York City and celebrate Israel publicly in uh, New York. And uh, I really hope you'll you'll take my advice and do so. Um, so there you have it. Ba- a little over an hour from now, we'll do our weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us, get the weekly update on the air. Um a lot of people to thank in our fundraiser, which we've got to get to today. Try to do that within the hour. And plenty more happening if you keep it right here. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to JM in the AM. Shalom Aleichem <laughs>
Lechem, Malachei Ashores, Malachei Elyon.
Shalom, Shabbat 
כמוכם כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שגונחו ביום שבת. דרורי כלב ונמבט, ואם צורכם כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שגונחו ביום שבת. הדוח כמי אלקנה, במות לבב ובגינם, ונחיפהו מלנה, ושוננו לחרינם, ושוננו לחרינם.
yikra levein imbar Ve'in tzachem kemo vavar Ne'im shimchem bilau yushpat Shivu v'nuchu v'yom shabbat V'yosh navi J.M. and the M. Friday morning on this June 1st, the 18th of Sivan. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Balos, candle lighting at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, candle lighting later tonight. By the way, I want to thank everybody who participated in the Achiezer campaign, uh, the summer camp campaign, and you know how seriously I take summer camp. Uh, the summer camp campaign uh, went on. Um, yesterday for a couple of hours. Actually, no, it went on for 24 hours, but we were involved in the last couple of hours yesterday uh, between 12 noon and 2 o'clock Eastern time, and a lot of our listeners participated and helped Achiezer achieve their goal in a very, very important summer camp campaign, in my opinion. So a big yeshikach to everybody, and uh, yesterday's broadcast that was done at 12 noon Eastern time was Le'ilu Nishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, Ben Avraham, Lipa, Cohen, and... Lilu Nishmas Leia Malko Shalom Yaakov and in this Chosav Rafur Shlema for Chaim Shlomo Zalman Ben Liba Brindel. Chaim Shlomo Zalman Ben Liba Brindel. And we hope and pray for a Rafur Shlema. J.M. the on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. You know, yesterday we found out about the passing of uh, Rav David Kamenetsky. Rabbi David Kamenetsky, who for us was so many things, but uh, most affected my family by being principal of Manhattan Day School for a long, long time. And um, yesterday during the program we heard of, of his passing, but uh, uh, only mentioned it um, in the middle of the day yesterday during our noon broadcast. And our condolences to the entire Kamenetsky family. What an incredible man. Uh, Dr. Laz, David Lazarson, posted something on Facebook that, as far as I was concerned, just uh, completely described how Rabbi David Kamenetsky was as a person. And he will be sorely missed. That I could tell you. Our condolences to the entire family. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from Jamnia. 
גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בעקבות פרשת שחיתות, ראש ממשלת ספרד הודח בהצבעת אי אמון. כתבתנו יערה גם איחורי. לאחר הצבעה צמודה, הפרלמנט בספרד קבע בוקר כי ראש ממשלת ספרד, מריאנו רחוי, מפוטר מתפקידו. לראשונה בספרד ראש ממשלה מודח בהצבעת אי אמון. רחוי שעומד בראש ממפלגת מרכז ימין ונמצא בשלטון כבר שבע שנים, יוחלף בראש ממשלה ממפלגת האופוזיציה הסוציאליסטית. בספרד מתנהל משפט ארוך בעניין שחיתות שביצעו חברי מפלגת רחוי, חלקם הורשעו. ראש השב"כ לשעבר יורם כהן מכחיש כי ראש הממשלה נתניהו ביקש ממנו לצוטט לראש המוסד ולרמטכ"ל ומכנה את הפרסום אמש דברי הבל. כתבנו צחי דבוש. בתגובה לתחקיר עובדה אומר ראש השב"כ לשעבר יורם כהן בשיחות סגורות מדובר בפרסום שקרי, לא התבקשתי על ידי נתניהו לבצע האזנות לרמטכ"ל לשעבר גנץ או לראש המוסד לשעבר פרדו. נתניהו לא ביקש שאזין לאדם כזה או אחר ובמיוחד לא לבכירי מערכת הביטחון. כך כהן. משטרת ישראל נערכת בכוחות מתוגברים לתפילות יום השישי השלישי של חודש הרמדאן בירושלים. כתבתנו בבירה מיכל צ'ין. יותר ממאה אלף מוסלמים נמצאים כרגע בשטח הר הבית ומשתתפים בתפילת יום השישי השלישית לכבוד חודש הרמדאן. הצירים הסמוכים לאזור חסומים לתנועה עד שעות אחר הצהריים. כוחות הביטחון פרוסים בכוחות מתוגברים ונמצאים בכוננות שיא. בקרמלין טוענים תיתכן פגישה בנשיא רוסיה פוטין ושליט קוריאה הצפונית קים ז'ונג און, כתבתנו מאיה רכלין. הקרמלין הודיע היום כי ישנה אפשרות שנשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין ורודן קוריאה הצפונית קים ז'ונג און ייפגשו. הפסגה האפשרית נשקלה במהלך ביקור שר החוץ של רוסיה לברוב בקוריאה הצפונית השבוע, בו נפגש פנים מול פנים עם קים ז'ונג און. על פי הערכות, בעוד פחות משבועיים נשיא ארצות הברית טראמפ ושליט קוריאה הצפונית ייפגשו בסינגפור. גבר בשנות ה-60 לחייו נמצא בדירתו באריאל ללא רוח חיים. כתבנו יאיר אורביאטו מוסר כי ככל הנראה נפצע הגבר מפליטת כדור בעת שניקה את נשקו האישי. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה. מזג האוויר, התקררות עם סיכוי לגשמים מקומיים בצפון ובמרכז, מחר דומה. אלה החדשות בצוות איטיאל דינר ורומי קפלן.
J.M. and the Amitz Avraim, from Freed, Friday morning broadcast on this area of Shabbos Parshas Balos. Let's celebrate Israel Parade Sunday. Our coverage will be presented by Aleh with many great sponsors, including Carmel Winery, Rothenberg Law Firm, Uden's Appliances, American Committee of Charitetic Medical Center. Uh, our coverage 11 until 4, 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Fifth Avenue. Facebook Live, NSN app, NachumSiegel.com. You can see and hear all the action. Uh, make sure to tune in, and uh, those of you around the world, certainly tune in. Even if you're at the parade, and we are encouraging you to be at the parade, frankly, you could literally tune in on your <clears throat> on your phone with the NSN app and on your phone at NahumSiegel.com and on your phone to Facebook Live. <laughs> so you literally can get the best of both worlds, our coverage and all the fun, and, of course, all the fun of the parade. So that's happening this coming Sunday, Fifth Avenue in New York City. Cannot emphasize enough. How important it is to be there on Sunday. And I hope all of you will uh, use the opportunity to, in fact, be there. Take your kids. Take your grandchildren. Enjoy the day. If they have school, I might. I have to say might. I might recommend you take them out of school so that they can enjoy the day and and learn how important it is to celebrate Israel. But that's, you know, that's a parental decision. I can't go ahead and recommend. I said I would almost say uh, that it might be a good idea, but um, I certainly am not officially going to request <laughs> nor strongly suggest that one do so. All right. <laughs> I hope I got that point across well enough. Candle lighting at 8 o'clock in the New York area on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Balos. So that was Achim Benefesh done by Avremo. Eli Marcus had David Amelach. He heard. Esmach, the brand new one from Yerachmiel, begun in the Miami Boys Choir. Yerachmiel was here yesterday in studio at JMNAM. Check it out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Network. You can see the whole interview. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool conversation about the uh, brand new album. I think you will uh, 
you will enjoy it if you haven't seen it yet. A lot of people to thank. A lot of people to thank. Let me go through this for a minute or so. Um, uh, people who uh, have generously donated to our spring fundraiser. If you haven't had a chance yet, um, it's fjbunity.org. That's really all you need to know. It's fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. And um, a lot of wonderful and and great donations. I want to thank. I want to thank. Um, let's see here. We have a we have a ten times high donation that was done in honor of Stacy uh, Pennebaker and the doctor, and I want to say thank you very much to that generous donor from all of us here at um, at JM and the AM. Some of these have specific dates that they have requested that they be announced. So I just want to make sure I'm going through everything properly here. Um, let's see what else we have. Yeah, I think these we did already. Now, um, that's 24. Just going through everything. Um, over the last couple of days, we've had some amazing donations. And again, I want to thank everybody. Um, we have Double High that has um, arrived from Israel Deitch of Brooklyn, New York, in honor of Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Thank you for your weekly Divrei Torah. They enhance our Shabbos table discussions. Comes from the Deitch family. And thank you, Nachman staff, for the entire daily program, the news on the latest music, great interviews. The best radio station ever. Much appreciated. Thank you. I think we mentioned Panina Simon, 10 times high in honor of her children and grandchildren, Daron Malka, Karen, and Tamar Simon, Avi, Eliza, Mordechai, and Shira. Um, Enid Schwartz in honor of Arthur Jakovsky. Again, it's fjbunity.org. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, it's fjbunity.org. This is from um, the Barron family in Ormond Beach, Florida. Nahum and staff, wow, nobody does it like you do. Thank you. I started listening in Suckasun in New Jersey. That is back in 1983. Well, that's pretty amazing. I want to thank Paul and Lori Fine, a $100 donation. Uh, Sheila Tannenbaum, in honor of the entire Siegel family. Thank you, Sheila. Our good friend, Milt Feldman. In uh, memory of uh, Marlene and in honor of uh, Rabbi Alvin Marcus and Rafu Shlema, Mayor Ben Chana, Mayor Ben Chana, Rafu Shlema, Mayor Ben Chana. Um, so a lot of people have been donating, and I thank everybody again. It's uh, fjbunity.org. If you didn't have a chance, I know a lot of people on Fridays uh, pay even more attention to us. People pay attention to us all the time, thank God. But I know on Fridays, people pay even more attention to us and uh, are able to, to tune in and really make us part of their day. So please, please uh, contribute at fjbunity.org. I want to thank Susan Lieberman in honor of her wonderful husband, Erwin, and their wonderful children and grandchildren, Leah and Hara. Thank you, Nachum, for all you do for Klaustral. That is much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, Gerald Buchhoff, I had announced a... Um, a different donation, and I apologize for that. I was a little bit confused with the uh, PayPal arrangement. But anyway, Gerald has uh, donated 10 times high, and I thank him very, very much. Thank you, Gerald, from all of us here at JM and the AM. 
That is a 10 times a high donation. Very, very generous. And I'm going to go through um, in just a few minutes what came oath, what came yesterday in our mail as I uh, continue to thank everybody who's had a role in getting us so far to a great total. Uh, everybody out there, please feel obligated to give something to this campaign. Please feel obligated to give something to our spring fundraiser if you want to keep us going, especially if you enjoy our Friday morning programming. Uh, it's fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. And I hope that everybody out there will take the opportunity to uh, join us and uh, pitch in a few dollars to help us out here at JM in the AM. 21 minutes after the hour, Malcolm Holmline around the corner and plenty more. You keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the M. Friday, candlelighting, 8 o'clock tonight here in the New York area, 7.30 in the morning. Thanks for joining us. Malcolm Honeline coming up. Plenty happening all day long. Naomi Nachman's got a brand new edition of Table for Two coming up at 9 a.m. right after J.M. and the A.M. And on that brand new edition of Table for Two, she will welcome Gitti Halberstam from uh, Misco Liquors, um, Donnie Klein from YeahThat'sKosher.com, and Dudi Shagloff proprietor of Bison and Bourbon and Noga. So she's got some uh, really cool guests coming up between 9 and 10. It's uh, called 
Table for Two. It's with uh, Naomi Nachman every Friday. Join us. It'll be uh, a fresh new show starting at 9 a.m. this morning, plus the video available at NachumSiegel.com. All happening at 9 o'clock. The Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek will be brought to you by our friends at Kedem. That starts at 10 o'clock. Erev Shabbos music mix continues all the way until candlelighting time. All courtesy of our friends at Kedem. And, of course, we thank them profusely uh, for that. I want to thank those who have uh, donated to our uh, fundraiser. Uh, I want to thank those who have... um, who have been part of our JM&AM fundraiser so far, you can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and participate if you haven't yet, which is really cool. We have a website, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, that supports us. Also, if you have an envelope in your home, which is very possible that you already do. If you have an envelope in your home, please get it back to us with a generous donation. Keep JMAM going. Want to thank the Werners, uh, Debbie and um, uh, Debbie and uh, Harriet in Bayonne, New Jersey. A five hundred dollar donation to keep JMAM going, and it's so much appreciated. We listen to your program all the time. Especially enjoyed the halftime show. Thank you. And now we can listen to you when we are on vacation. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that very, very much. And yes, you can schlep us along with you no matter where on this globe you go, which is really cool. And the Kosher Halftime Show, that's a, uh, that was a great, great production this year. I want to thank Gitz and Ada Fuchs of Lakewood, New Jersey, uh, donating Ilu Nishmas Eliezer Yoshua Ben Yitzchak Shlomo from his children Yitz and uh, Ada Fuchs. Thank you for that. Thank you to Murray Katz and Edison, three times high. Thank you to... Um, Thank you to a Hunter Bernhardt in on the Upper West Side of New York, in memory of uh, his mother Jackie Bernhardt of Oak Park, West Bloomfield, Michigan, passed away in March of 2018. Our condolences and our thanks for uh, contributing. Um, I want to thank. Um, no, I'll wait on that one. I have to read that one properly. Uh, remember, you can go to FJB. Unity.org, fjbunity.org, and participate with us and uh, and and get us a great donation. I want to thank uh, Carol Schickman and Scotch Plains in honor of grandchildren Molly, uh, Lucy, Abby, and Layla. Um, thank you for your donation. I want to thank uh, an anonymous donor in honor of Ariel and Philip uh, Rudin, anonymous from West Caldwell. Thank you. Uh, listener David in West Orange. David Blady, $100 in honor of Jenny, Gabby, and Aaron. Thank you for that. Um, the Wimmer family in Fort Lee, New Jersey, in memory of, uh, of Jack Wimmer. I thank you for that. A, a double high donation. Go to fjbunity.org to participate and be part of our spring fundraiser, everybody. fjbunity.org. Uh, the Boardmans in Cherry Hill have donated in my honor, and I thank you. Uh, Mark and uh, Rama Kozlow, uh, four times high from East Brunswick, New Jersey. I thank you for that. Again, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Um, this donation in honor of Joseph, Jessica, and Jacqueline, Sarah, Allen, Violet, and Oliver Kus- 
Uh, Kersensky. Wow, it's hard to read some people's handwriting, frankly. But we do try our best. And a big, big thank you to um, the Kufeld family. In my honor, uh, David Kufeld and family have donated. And one of the reasons this is so special is because uh, David Kufeld did this show back in 1983. He was my immediate predecessor. And he never forgets us, appreciates the fact that this show has gotten bigger and bigger and better and better. I shouldn't say better. That's not fair. But certainly has gotten bigger. And uh, I appreciate uh, his uh, participation and his family's participation. I thank you very, very much. Go to fjbunity.org, everybody. fjbunity.org in order to participate with us um, and uh, be part of our fundraiser. Uh, Many of you tune in on Friday mornings. Many of you. Um, Specifically for all the news we discuss, etc. And the Divrei Torah, etc. Please acknowledge that fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. I want to thank Ellen and Barry Kagan. Thank you for many hours of enjoyable music. Keep up the good work and continued Hatzlacha. That comes from Brooklyn, New York, and I thank the Kagans very, very much. All right, more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
מלחמות קשות ודיפות כואבות בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים צוררים קשים שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר J.M. in the A.M. Na'avor, that's done by Simcha Liner. Sandy before that, Sandy Shmueli with Hinei Amim Tovim. J.M. in the A.M., good morning. Candle lighting, 8 o'clock in the New York area on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha. Sunday's parade day, we'll speak about that with Malcolm in a moment because uh, he always encourages everybody, rightfully so, to be there and to celebrate Israel and go with our children and grandchildren and uh, 
show them how to celebrate Israel for God's sake, even outside of Israel. Maybe I should say especially outside of Israel, where we have this unique opportunity. Talk about that in a moment. Our parade coverage on Sunday is uh, brought to you by our friends at Aleh with sponsorships by Carmel Winery, Rothenberg Law Firm, Uden's Appliances, and the American Committee for Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Uh, we'll be there on 5th Avenue and 64th Street, um, 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. Watch everything at Facebook Live, uh, facebook.com slash Siegel Network, on, of course, our website, NahumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. You can hear everything on the NSN app and comment away there as well, plus on Facebook Live. So a lot of different ways. Even if you're there, all those methods are good on your phone. So we encourage you to be there 100%, but we also encourage you to tune in, and obviously those of you outside of New York and New Jersey, tune in for the sights and sounds of Fifth Avenue. I um, want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com every single day posting stories, great news stories from around the Jewish world, not just Simcha News, which is wonderful in and of itself, but other stories as well. Check it out. It is uh, OnlySimchas.com. JewishWorldReview.com gives you an opportunity to print out thousands of our, assuming your printer's working, <laughs> you know, a little pet peeve here in the studio for my staff, uh, assuming the printer's working, you print out thousands of articles before Shabbos uh, about what's happening in the uh, Jewish world, go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. Check out what they offer. You will be impressed. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning. No. Wouldn't you say it's a good idea to celebrate with our children and grandchildren in Manhattan this coming Sunday? I don't know how anybody could think otherwise when you consider what's been going on the last few weeks, when you see the total distortion and misrepresentation of Israel in the media, that this is an opportunity to counter the negative voices, uh, to to assert the truth about the strength of the U.S.-Israel relationship after the opening of the embassy, after so many positive things to make their voices heard. Everybody keeps asking, what can we do? Well, here's the answer. Show up. Yeah, How easy is that? Just show up. Be there. Stand on the sidewalk. Cheer the young people and the others marching and the many uh, floats and the visual displays. I mean, this is such an easy way to do it, and it doesn't cost them anything. Maybe they have to park a car, but beyond that, it doesn't cost them anything to come out Show the people of Israel that we care and that we are with them. That a hundred missiles come over. This is uh, an opportune time to to show the administration our appreciation for the good things and how strong the U.S.-Israel relationship is. All right, now you got me revved up. Number one, uh, there are people in Israel, people in Israel, mainstream people. In Israel. I'm talking about you know people like us in Israel um, who cannot believe that schools do not close, and that every single type of Jew is not on Fifth Avenue on Sunday. Just so people have a wake-up call, they understand that there are people around the world, especially in Israel, who cannot believe that there's an opportunity to do this, and there are certain people who don't do it. That's number one. Number two, and you know how I you know, carefully dance around this subject, but, but, but you, you will hopefully be a bit stronger about this as you dance around it. The, the, there, are, there are groups on Sunday... In the tens of thousands, yes, in the tens of thousands in our area that are planning gatherings that at the minimum, because I believe there's other agendas as well, at the minimum 
uh, express disappointment with the government of the state of Israel. And I believe, and I think you agree, you know, if one would do this as a Jewish leader in their own synagogue, in their own, you know, organizational setting, etc., that's one thing. But in a but in a major arena to go ahead and 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 put together a uh, a a meeting like that, a gathering like that, it, it is uh, is uh, at the very least unrecommended. You agree? And uh, that's uh, such a minimal statement. Uh, I ah. think that it's disgraceful that uh, an event like this could take place, especially given what what was witnessed and the the uh, feeding frenzy in the media. And we'll just, uh, we'll get to talk about yep. some of the distortions and misrepresentations, but but the reality of what what really is going on, and that the that. Uh, uh, you know, there is no way you can do repentance or tshuva for Lashon Hara speaking evil against Israel because you can't undo it. There's no way. Once it's out, it's there. And the, and clearly the media will love the picture of what they consider religious Jews yeah. um, by by virtue of garb and nothing else. Uh, and to, to speaking out and demonstrating and maybe there you can have legitimate issues and dis- disagreements with the government of Israel or the government of the United States, but the question is how do you give expression to it? And I think that those who are upset about it, instead of grousing about it, find ways to to give tangible expression to their concerns. And uh, you know, you see how the United States government's acting against Iran and others with sanctions, with other things. Community has to consider that as well. Yeah. And by the way, I, I would bet your office and you specifically have been approached many times uh, by by people similar to, with similar backgrounds as the ones I'm, I'm referring to here in this conversation with concerns who handle things properly and ask you to intervene or ask you to you know to, to help adjust things a certain way and that would be the proper way to go about it anyway well there are many proper ways to go about it yes people call just to say that they don't associate with it they don't support it that it's a particular group but not to but but when you see a large turnout and they can manufacture a turnout instantly um that the you know the message that the larger community gets and whether it comes from the extreme left or it comes from any other extremist group you know when when the um, jews for justice in palestine or whatever groups they are they they represent a mute a small percentage but they are very visible, and they get their presence gets exploited, and by the those who do not have their interests at heart, do not have the Jewish people, certainly not the state of Israel, or even America's interests at heart. Yeah. All right. Bottom line, everybody, celebrate Israel. We spend enough time not celebrating, and we spend enough time mourning different things uh, in our worldwide community. Let's celebrate Israel together on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday, and demonstrate to our children and grandchildren why it's important. And there will be people coming in from Israel who happen to be here, uh, they didn't come in special for the parade, but happen to be here, who will be attending, and they will be shocked at how many people from our community right here in the immediate area are not there. An absolute shocker. And I think our rabbinic leaders should uh, should heed those word, words carefully and to think about whether they should add um, uh, the parade information to their announcements this coming Shabbat. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get to Gaza in a moment, because I know that the, that's the most pressing issue in terms of what our listeners want to hear regarding whether this is a ceasefire or not. But I just got to start with this, Malcolm. Do you know who the the new, which country is now the head of the UN-backed conference on disarmament? Uh, could be Iran. It's Syria. Can you imagine? 
is some alphabetical rotation that takes place. But how absurd is this that they would be <laughs> that they would direct a conference on disarmament? Um, well, the, who has more experience than Syria in seeing the price for uh, non-disarmament and the um, uh, the absurdities at the United Nations? are so great and so many. When you look at the Human Rights Council, you look at uh, other entities, when you see Iran, Sudan, uh, Syria, Libya, sitting in judgment of Israel. The Kuwait resolution this week. And now we have a Kuwaiti resolution uh, against Israel. And thank God the United States has been standing up against all of these hypocrisies, as they called it, and all of this, these, this is, it's, it's so ludicrous that even UN officials uh, come out and criticize, and I have to say the UN representative in Israel, uh, Mladenov, uh, did criticize the attacks, the, the missile attacks against Israel, and he's been, um, you know, fairly balanced in, in his remarks, but the overall tendency to the United Nations, you know, they're just people, good people, just throw up their hands and say, this is ridiculous. There's no, there's no way to counter it because of the automatic majority. And what we can do is whittle away at it. But the absurdities like this, and, and there are so many of them, and some of them automatic and some of them, you know, uh, manufactured, uh, the fact that Israel had to withdraw from the race for a Security Council seat uh, also reflects the that the ongoing bias and discrimination. Plus, we should mention, as you always do, Nikki Haley is amazing, and her statements are powerful and incredible. And it's it's really it's really wonderful to have someone like that representing the United States in the United Nations. She's amazing. Every speech, every uh, her willingness to stand up and even to walk out sometimes on on um, Palestinian speakers who say outrageous things. It it um, uh, I think that there are. Uh, there are positive signs at the UN. I know I speak to many UN ambassadors. Uh, they're getting fed up with it. Some of the Europeans have, uh, at times, Poland, uh, other countries have, have spoken up. The Romanians, Bulgarians, uh, who have uh, spoken up, and that the margins in UN votes have diminished. Part of her remarks, it is outrageous for the Security Council to fail to condemn Hamas rocket attacks against Israeli civilians while the Human Rights Council approved sending a team to investigate Israeli actions taken in self-defense. There was at least one day where there, was a tr- where there were a tremendous number of rockets fired at Israel. It seems that there's some type of ceasefire. What does that mean? It means Hamas decided to be quiet today. What's the uh, update from, uh, uh, from the, uh, the Gaza border? So, uh, well, first of all, there were still uh, many kites flown across the border. Including so I don't today? Know if, you know, that counts as a ceasefire, but people right. should know that they have done millions of dollars of damage. You know, they're, they're sort of floating Molotov cocktails that set fire to fields, that set fire to uh, buildings and to uh, manufacturing sites. Uh, so th- those have continued, but the, but the rocket fire which Hamas says is coming from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, so of others, but Israel holds them as the party in charge, responsible for what, what's happened, and they certainly set the, lit the fuses with their uh, manufactured demonstrations uh, of, the, of the last uh, month or more. And the, um, the ceasefire really is a result of, of Israel's very effective response, where they hit 62 sites and then the next day hit another two uh, military sites. And 
Nahum, did you notice there was not a single report of a casualty? <laughs> oh, not yeah. a person being wounded? Yeah. Not a person being killed? How did the Israelis do that? 62 strikes in, in the, quote, most densely populated place, including the ports, hitting naval sites, hitting uh, uh, a new tunnel that they're building under Karen Shalom. From, they went into Egypt all the way around and were coming back into Israel. And uh, and obviously I've been working on this for some time, but here you have the humanitarian crossing, and they they use it as to, to exploit it to use to build a tunnel, but many other sites, and no collateral damage as they call it, meaning damage not intended. Mm-hmm. But the, the, even Hamas never said anybody was killed or anybody was wounded. And you know that they run to the pictures and often manufacturing the the results. That's how precise this response was, and how. Israel has, um, uh, how hard they've worked to make sure that they would be, uh, that, that there would be no civilian casualties. So this is, this is one. Two, that the attacks along the border continued, but they're in isolated areas where there's no civilian population. So the emphasis by the IDF has been on those areas that are in striking distance of civilian populations. And there were many attempts to cross the border, to be able to capture people. And we know from the not only the Hamas statements and from the um, uh, reports, their own admissions that 50 of the 62 killed that they were, were Hamas, and overall probably 80% of those killed, that they were dressing Hamas operatives in civilian clothes, that it was an organized thing to put demonstrators and then rioters and behind them the shooters, and that Israel snipers took them out without hurting others, that Clearly, uh, there were uh, some people who were hit, but that's because they used them as, as fodder, because this is really a PR battle, not a military battle. And in that regard, one has to say that they, that they scored because of the way the media continues to say, I, I, I mean, I hear on NPR and others, you know, 100 Palestinians killed without any context, any reference, nothing to what, what was going on. I mean, what, what country in the world would have allowed terrorists just to cut through the, the barbed wire and to and, and place IEDs, you know, dev- explosive devices, and there were uh, multiple attempts to to do so, and to um, and to capture civilians, not just the um, military targets. So, again, it emphasizes why it's important for us to speak up on Sunday and, and all the time to counter these uh, uh, these moves, and and the. You know, and we're seeing changes. We're seeing where uh, others are are holding uh, Hamas. The people are holding them to account because one of the rockets they fired severed the the uh, electrical lines, the, that, and so Gaza went dark again because of them. That they blew up the the pipes that were uh, bringing gas and uh, and fuel for them, and uh, the, the the ongoing uh, uh, ludicrousness of some of the actions uh, that they have taken. So and now we have another flotilla coming. We're going to have other opportunities for them. So we should not get lulled into any sort of uh, false sense of confidence because of the ceasefire. Where is the flotilla coming from? It left from uh, Denmark and then from Gotten in Germany and other places, and supposedly going to come three, four ships already. Same thing. Under they the did gun. a reverse one where they try to go from Gaza out, and Israeli Navy really effectively and learning from the past uh, effectively stopped it without casualties. Again, you don't read that. 
and uh, the U.S. and others praised Israel for the way it handled the Navy for the way it handled um, uh, this attempt to to and and remember this is a legal blockade ruled legal by the courts and that this is an international effort to violate that uh, blockade and to provoke and Israel demonstrating amazing restraint trying to avoid civilian casualties. Has uh, and and we have to remember that the Iron Dome was extremely effective in countering a lot of the missiles. You know, you, it was meant for much bigger payloads and and distances. They have obviously uh, come to uh, with some technological uh, improvements that enabled it to take out these lower range mortars and missiles. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard. On listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Speaking of listener-sponsored, if you did not have an opportunity last week to help us during our spring fundraiser, the website is fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Please be as generous as possible. Well, Malcolm, you know what everyone's concerned about, and this is everyone around the world, uh, those who care about Israel, and that is what this all means along that border. It's the, the hottest action. It was described as the hottest action there since 2014. That, of course, was the summer of the war. Uh, we, 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 I'm sure Israel's on guard for the possibility of a, of a repeat of what happened that summer. And I, don't, I know you also don't like to predict things. Uh, but now it's June, and it always seems this time of year is, is, is a, a time of convenience for the enemy. Is it possible that things could get even more dicey along the Gaza border in the next couple of weeks? It's likely that uh, I think the ceasefire will hold because they know the people in Gaza assess this and say, "What did we get for this? What did we get for those who who who?" Uh, but they always, but the, they always in, in ask that. Assaults. But they always ask that of their leaders. And right, but Hamas, uh, you know, may have pictured a different outcome, thought they would be able to capture, or they needed a victory. They proclaim victory no matter what. This right. is their style. Hezbollah too that. Even while they're being defeated, they will then issue statements and declare victory. And in the controlled press, they can uh, try and get that message. But the people, uh, by and large, uh, see through it. So uh, Hamas likes to fight during the summer. So uh, the possibility, the potential for them to rev things up is is uh, certainly there. And a lot will depend on what Iran wants. If Iran wants to heat things up, if they want a diversion, if they want to create more instability and unrest, then we're likely to see it. When you see the foreign minister, Mr. Zarif, who negotiated so much with Secretary Kerry and embraced and uh, all those love pictures, was seen in his own film yelling, death to the U.S., death to U.K., and death to Israel. And so for a government that whose, whose goal is clearly expressed in that statement, <laughs> and people should not take it as less than, than uh, their intent, uh, understand what what this is uh, about, and and the and of course you have Hezbollah in the north. Uh, obviously, right now it does not look like they want to escalate a conflict and and pay the price. Israel's demonstrations, both in Syria and in Gaza, of its capacity and capabilities, uh, I think, have put them all on notice. And by the way, if you didn't see the story, people should look at it about Nasrallah that the, his wealth was estimated. At two hundred fifty million dollars oh net gosh. wealth, but it comes from drugs. 
Oh. And the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency has been investigating Hezbollah as one of the world's largest drug cartels. So, you know, people who, who you know, say to me about it, you know, look, look at his comments. He comes across as uh, moderate. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, and the same thing we see over and over again, that where you act with strength and determination, these guys will back down. We see it now on the on the sanctions regime with with um, with Iran. But I'll, I'll tell you another example. Remember all the predictions about what would happen if America opened the embassy, etc. Yeah, we sure. see that the Czechs now opened a consulate in in right. uh, Jerusalem. But today, but this year the Russian embassy is hosting its National Day party in Jerusalem. It's West Jerusalem, but it's Jerusalem in the Russian compound, which. Israel gave to Russia about 10 years ago in a goodwill gesture, the place in, in the center of Jerusalem. Very and symbolic. They've been inviting the guests to a, a reception. I think it's June 14th. Uh, and I think it's, it's really uh, you know, another statement that people sh- should recognize. Now, also in regard to Russia, we saw that Luke Oil, which is Russia's second biggest oil producer, said it has decided not to go ahead with plans to develop projects in Iran. And because of the threat of U.S. Uh, sanctions, and they've been in talks with Iran about development of uh, some very um, significant uh, oil fields when um, when Total from France uh, pulled out when uh, and announced that it wasn't going ahead with some of its um, major projects. When we see the uh, Indian, one of the biggest firms in India, announcing that it is uh, uh, pulling out when uh, the in a parliamentary meeting they uh, indicated that in the three mo- in the year uh, two years from March 16th to March uh, March March 16th to March 18 59 billion dollars flowed out of Iran but 13 billion just in the last three months so you see the massive decline in their currency reserves, in the value of the real, because they stood up. Students met with the supreme leader this week, were harshly critical, talked about the human rights violations, talked about fabricated security cases, talked about the environmental crisis, because Iran has a huge water drought. Uh, wildlife is dying. People don't. River beds are drying up. And, of course, they can't take advantage of uh, Western technology uh, with this, and the the uh, protests against this are, are increasing as well. I can give you a dozen more examples of the things that have taken place and are taking place. The, the Syrian Air Force barred Iran from using its bases to store uh, ammunition and to host fighters. This was reported in, in, uh, in Zaman al-Wasi, which is a, a major Syrian opposition uh, uh, newspaper, and that came after the Israeli attacks. The common message of all of this is that when you stand consistent and you, your statements are clear and the uh, increasing sanctions that the U.S. is placing on those who supported even the uh, Houthis in Yemen, and, um, and there's evidence that came from the United Nations uh, about it, and that the, the, um, the clear messages they sent Syria about violations of the, of the ceasefire, when all of these countries, uh, global insurers, are take, telling, uh, warning people about uh, especially shipping businesses to stop, and they are stopping to take new orders. 
So the, these things will have an immense cumulative effect on a, Iran's economy, which is very shaky, and while they can probably survive at the cost to, to because they don't care what happens to the people, these are really dramatic and remarkable results of a consistent policy on sanctions, and we have to see more of them. And this will do more to impact uh, Iran than all the declarations and all of the you know niceties that even the Europeans now who said, if you remember, we talked about it when they said that they would back European companies that, that go against the U.S. sanctions, they backed off of it. What, what are the other names you know besides Luke Oil? What are the other major uh, companies? I said that India's Reliance, right. refining uh, right. company, Total. And any uh, American company that we would uh, be familiar well, with? Well, they're not doing business with right. them. They would never have started the well, business. Well, Boeing is, uh, has started up. Uh, right, I think that was deal, the one you mentioned I last week. That will be on hold. Right. Uh, the, um, um, and, and we saw the Treasury Department that went after uh, various uh, violators of human rights in Iran and... and uh, uh, even the uh, Ansar al-Hizbollah organization and OFAC designated an entity is uh, operating uh, uh, information communications technology that they said was used to monitor uh, human rights uh, people and violations of human rights. So th- there's a whole array of, uh, of these things. And, and the guy that they brought back to head their water or be the supposedly deputy minister, he was a Western-educated expert, who resigned a month ago because of, of spurious charges against him. Now he's been arrested, interrogated, because he was dealing with what is essentially a brain drought and a water drought from in Iran and spoke some truths about what was going on. This is There are so many opportunities that can be exploited if we have a consistent policy. If the Europeans would come along and... and uh, go along with the instead of always trying to to appease and to you know think that they will benefit and that they will get the contracts. China and Russia are, are going into Iran trying to get uh, uh, contracts, but it's going to come to naught because there's the infrastructure is is so shaky and you know nobody's going to insure it. So if these governments decide that they want to and because they want to exploit oil and energy primarily. Uh, and hope and hope that afterwards that they will be there in position to benefit from contracts. Uh, I think that they're wrong. Mm. Um, you heard about this uh, actor who died in Iran, and his death led to a lot of protests against the government. Yeah, uh, but he, he is somebody who was uh, one of the most famous actors, but he's been barred, I think, for thirty years from performing. He, he was in his eighties, and there had been a movement to try and and repeated efforts by the cultural elite there to to break the the ban on him but didn't work interesting so around the time of the revolution i guess is when he uh or short, shortly after that post revolution yeah post revolution he ended up being and so because of his Blacklist. because right because of his personal situation it led to protests now my point is and i said this to you last week that um and and you actually reiterated it because i didn't make the point strong enough that the uh uh, we don't hear about this. We don't hear in, or, and we don't see on TV any of these protests that go on in their anti-government, uh, and that show dissension among the people. That they have simply no more patience or tolerance for what's going on there. And as but you do, as you described, the economy there continues to go in the tank, and uh, and that you know it, it it gives an impetus for people to hit the streets even more. This week, the AFL, the um, 
Teamsters, came out in a in an amazing statement supporting the truck drivers. I think there are 300,000 trucks and, and drivers in Iran. Um, 80% of the trucks are in private hands. For a week, they have been on strike because they got no increases. The price of fuel going up, they're, they're, they're not, they can't make a living. They went out on strike, and nobody paid attention to it. And we brought it to the attention of, of the Teamsters and others and saying, why aren't you standing with your brothers? They're, they're putting their lives on the line, essentially. Yeah. And and it's not the only strike. The students, others, the strikes go on all the time. And their frustration is not with their government, but with the failure of the media in the West to pay any attention to this. Unbelievable. By the way, you saw the story that um, the Prime Minister, I mean, the story was a little bit backwards in terms of my point, because the Prime Minister Netanyahu was discovered, uh, one of the, I think it was a Mossad head, right, who said that uh, he had asked for uh, um, a bug to be placed on the Mossad, uh, on the Mossad chief, because of the uh, the the alert that he had put Israel's military uh, on to attack Iran. In other words, my point is that they for, deny it. He denies it. But for those of us, and I don't know to what degree you're willing to to you know agree with me, for those of us who believe that there really was never a realistic possibility that Israel would attack Iran. Every time one of these stories comes out, I think it shows us just the opposite, that Israel was really close to pulling the trigger. Look, this this is such a sensitive area, and we, we don't know the truth about what messages Israel has sent by penetrating Iranian airspace, let's say, by the, the raid in, in uh, inside Tehran, which has you know been uh, lost the, the day after the story broke but the you know it still was a daring and amazing achievement yep. uh, but by the way that story is being denied uh, the supposed target of that uh, that order and they said that, that he never had the order to to do it is assad telling the truth that there's no iranian troops in syria at the moment well, Iran never really sent large numbers of troops, but they have sixty to 80,000 militia there. They have uh, IRGC leaders who come as advisors or whatever. Uh, Iran never wanted Iranians to die because the reaction back home is terrible to it. So they have been letting Afghanis and Iraqis and Shiites from other places come, as they've done the population exchange. And one of the things is that, and we've talked about this for years already, that they're planning for the future. So they're saying if all foreign troops pull out, and, and Russia, as you see, has been working to, to counter uh, growing Iranian influence, they will be in a position still to play a critical role because they have brought in hundreds of thousands of Shiites. The Sunni population has been expelled from uh, many areas, and uh, they have Hezbollah there to operate as a terrorist entity in Syria, not just against Israel. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, all these capacities there. So the number of troops may be uh, misleading and and, and um, intentionally misleading. Right. When Assad says there's no troops here, he's saying that literally. There's a presence, but it's not, maybe maybe not in the form of actual troops, right? And and you, you know the the Israelis and Russia have been cooperating and trying to define. You know what will happen near the border. That that um, the Russians have said that the, the, only the Syrians can be near the Israeli border um, because it's not in their interest a to have the conflict escalate and b that the um, that Iran be be more influential because it does I think threaten uh, 
the role that Russia sees itself uh, playing. Iran served its purposes, and at some point it probably doesn't serve Russia's purposes, and they will be more willing to uh, uh, to counter it. Um, you saw the uh, Hadar Golden's uh, family uh, came out against, and finally the court did rule that uh, before Israel um, releases uh, the body of any prisoner, any terrorist prisoner, they'd have to give 72-hour notice. Are you still in touch with the Golden family? Of course, we're in touch with them and others. Um, we didn't give up yet on the Sultan Yaqub, the, even though the parent, many, many of them have passed away already in the interim. But we cannot forget them. And, and even if it's only to get their bodies back and see that they have proper cure, proper um, burials, I mean, this is a responsibility we all bear, not just the government of Israel, but the government of Israel. You saw the reports that they even enlisted ISIS and other fighters to go and look for the bodies in Syria. I don't know if it's true, but there were reports to that effect. Finally, Mr. Honline, is this going to take place, the summit between North Korea and the U.S.? Do you think we're closer to it now? I do think we're closer to it. I think it's uh, that it serves North Korea's purposes, and they wouldn't do it otherwise. I think the isolation, the efforts, but they have their own agenda, and they're very clever in manipulating the the situation. So, you know, we have to always take it with a grain of salt, but I think if if the, the talks can get back and, and lead to some, uh, I don't know if we'll get a total denuclearization, but some progress in that area, it will certainly... Um, be a feather in the administration's cap. But again, it's when the president put the red lines down and said, this is it. You cross the red line, we're out. We're leaving. Only language terrorists, dictators, and others understand is strength. And if they see consistency, if if it's the unpredictability, it's when we are too predictable, when we when they believe that we are going to be too limited in our response and that we really won't stand up for principle or red lines become pink lines and become white lines, they will take advantage of it. It's got to be a clear and decisive message, and I think Israel has successfully done that vis-a-vis Iran and, and um, the sanctions regimes against Iran, many of the other things that, that are taking place. We are seeing the worldwide impact of strength, determination, and clear, consistent messages to them. We will not tolerate it. Oh, I can't let you leave without a positive note going into Sunday's parade coverage. Uh, Clay, I saw this in your alert. Clay seals believed to have been used by the biblical prophet Isaiah and King Hezekiah are set to be unveiled at a June event, which will be held simultaneously in Jerusalem and Oklahoma via a live stream, while the seals and nearly three dozen other pieces loaned by the Antiquities Authority will be on display in Oklahoma. The archaeologist who made the discoveries, Dr. Elat Mazar, will deliver a keynote address in Jerusalem. Yet another big piece of positive historic news. And if you take that and compile just from recent weeks the amazing discoveries that have taken place even uh, 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 something, uh, a, a folded up uh, sort of amulet that, with a nail through it that was done by a Jewish gambler <laughs> 2,000 years ago who, who wanted the other horses to be uh, crippled in, in a race, but the, <laughs> which was found not, not in Israel. But uh, there are so many discoveries, and, and uh, one of the things that I want to do is to try and bring, I saw that in Israeli schools, they took the sifting project where you take the, some of the rubble that was taken off our bias and the children themselves 
see how they sift through it and they find things from uh, from uh, the base of Mikdash, from other things which we have done with my family at the Sifting Project in Jerusalem, I want to bring it here because there's nothing more concrete than when kids see the actual tangible evidence and proof, like the coins you said, like the seals that were found, with the names of Nevi'im, with the names of, of people in Tanakh, and not one discovery, not one, ever contradicts what's in Tanakh, what's in the Bible. It's such an important and powerful message, and I hope that some philanthropists will, will see the light. And, and for our kids first, to send to every shiva, then to every public place, that people will come and see firsthand. When the United Nations others try to deny our connection to Jerusalem, there's no better proof, because you can't argue with a rock. You can't argue with the things that they found, you know, snail way, to show that they made trellis on the, the purple dye on the, in the Temple Mount, which we didn't know. But many other things, so many amazing things. To see the tiles of the entryway to the base of Mikdash, the actual tiles. Absolutely incredible. It's unbelievable. I don't know, again, as you know. But we can talk about some of these discoveries maybe next week. All right. Um, enjoy Sunday. Wave to me at 64th and 5th Avenue, please. You'll be marching? Or you'll we'll be... be on the side broadcasting. Uh, okay. 64th and 5th. Don't just pass us by, please. I don't know how far <laughs> I, I go where my grandchildren go. And, uh, <laughs> Immediately with the excuses, Malcolm. <laughs> just just find me, that's all. I'll call in. <laughs> there you go. Malcolm, thank you so much for a wonderful job. We'll see you Sunday. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. When I say we'll see you Sunday to Malcolm, I say that to you as well. We'll be on Fifth Avenue. I hope you'll be on Fifth Avenue, uh, marching in the parade, viewing the parade, enjoying the parade, celebrating Israel. Unless it's a monsoon, come on out. Bring your children and grandchildren. Air, even if the weather's not perfect, air on the side of the, I got to be there. If it's a monsoon, I get it. You don't come out and you don't bring the strollers and all that. But come on out to Fifth Avenue and enjoy and have your rabbis, no matter what type of congregation you're in, have them, for God's sake, announce the information about the parade. Let the congregants stop laughing about the parade and at least see that their rabbi feels it's important enough and serious enough to announce it. At least that. Uh, anyway, Friday morning, when I don't get sleep, this is what happens. Friday morning on this June 1st, the 18th of Stephen, I want to take this opportunity on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baalozcha with candle lighting at 8 o'clock in New York to thank those who've uh, helped us in our Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting uh, Spring Fundraiser. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's very simple. Foundation supports us. That's really, really as simple as it is. And uh, the uh, not-for-profit arm was created to literally create a revenue stream uh, for listener support so that we could actually do this. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to provide this. Our sponsorships um, uh, simply wouldn't cover what we need. So we need all of you to participate. It's as simple as that. It's like Channel 13. We need every revenue source in order to make this work. So we ask you to give as generously as you can in the envelopes we sent you and uh, by going to fjbunity.org, which you can do right now and give a very generous donation, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And to help us out, keep us going, participate in our spring fundraiser. Obviously, the fundraiser is quote-unquote officially over, but unofficially we're going to continue throughout the month of June reminding everybody to give if you haven't given yet. So fjbunity.org, and I thank you. This time each every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden.
spiritual leader of congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good day, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Baha'aloscha. Parshas Baha'aloscha, according to the Chino, contains five mitzvos, three positive, two restrictions, and four out of the five mitzvos deal with Pesach Sheni. I'd like to note that, Pes- that Baha'aloscha has so many different concepts, topics contained within it. And I'd like to focus this morning on the last part of the parsha, namely the Lashon Hara that Miriam and Aaron speak about their brother Moshe. Now, the rabbis tell us that we find earlier in this week's parsha that Moshe, who complains to Hashem and says, I just can't do it alone. Hashem gives Moshe, therefore, 70 assistants who become the first Sanhedrin. And Moshe, at their head, 71 judges. The Torah tells us very quickly, each tribe contributed six members, and that would make 72. Two out of the 72 received blanks. They all passed through, and they picked from a large bowl, either informing them of their status as a member of the Sanhedrin, two of them got blanks. The Torah tells us that Eldad and Medad were so convinced that they would get the blanks that they didn't even show up to pick their uh, pieces of the lottery. Well, they were not blank at all, and the Torah tells us that they received immediate prophecy in the machana, in the camp. When Zipporah heard that they now became prophets, her immediate gut reaction was, ay, ay, ay. she blurted out, I feel sorry for their wives, because thinking that as Moshe had separated himself from Zipporah, these men would now separate themselves from their wives. Thus, Miriam found out that Moshe separated himself from his wife. Telling this to Aaron, the two of them say, as we're told in chapter 12, Pasuk 2, huh, who does Moshe think he is? We're also prophets, and we didn't separate ourselves from our spouses. So Moshe's response is verse 3. He does not respond. The Torah teaches us at that point, Moshe Moshe was the most modest man, from all men, on the face of this earth. 
unless you ask yourself, my goodness, how could Moshe be the most modest man? Didn't he know that he was the only one to be on our Sinai for three times, 40 days? He's the only one regarding whom the Torah says, Lechem lo achalti, mayim lo shosisi, didn't eat, didn't drink. So the answer to that is, I believe, very strong. And that is, the more you know, the more you know that you don't know. And therefore, of course, Moshe knew that he was the only one. But Moshe's knowledge of elokus, of godliness, was so much greater than any other mortal human being ever. So therefore, Moshe knew how much more he didn't know, and therefore he could truly be the most modest man. Hashem then tells the three of them, Miriam, Aaron, and Moshe, to come out, and Hashem literally chastises, reprimands Miriam and Aaron, and teaches them and all of Israel for the future of the uniqueness of Moshe Rabbeinu, that whereas all other dreams, all other prophets receive their prophecy in a dream, not so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Pe'el Pe'adaber Bo. Now, there are, and it's listed in many Sidurim, six Zechiros, six remembrances, and the fifth one is to remember that which Hashem did to Miriam, which is coming up in a few moments. In this week's parsha, that Miriam was stricken with leprosy because of the Lashon Hara, Tzora'as, that uh, she spoke about Moshe. But I think that we should be aware that there's another explanation for what it is that we are to remember the transgression of Miriam regularly, and the answer to that is that the Torah is teaching us through Miriam of the uniqueness of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, that he is not simply a cut above, but as the Rambam has in his 13 principles of faith, so the sixth one, I believe, with perfect faith, that all the words of the prophets are true. And then the seventh one is, I believe with complete and perfect faith, that the prophecy of Moshe, our teacher, was true, and that he was the father of the prophets, and literally in a class unto himself. Now, what happens is Miriam becomes uh, stricken with Sarah's. Moshe is pleaded to by Aaron. Aaron says, please forgive us. And Moshe then, in verse 13, cries out and prays to God that he should heal Miriam. Now, indeed, the whole Parsha could have ended there. There are, however, three more psukim whereby the Torah tells us that God said to Moshe, now look here, if a father would have been angry at her, it would have been a kind of time out for seven days. Now that she's angered 
Hashem, now that Hashem was angered through their act of Lashon Hara, so Rashi tells us it really could have, should have been 14 days, but because of a technical halacha that we don't learn a punishment through a Kalvachomer, it's also seven days. Why is the Torah teaching us so much here, and what is the lesson at the end of this parsha? Says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, in his Sefer Emes Liyakov, a very important point. Miriam and Moshe, I'm sorry, Miriam and Aaron asked forgiveness from Moshe, because after all, it is against Moshe that they spoke Lashon Hara. The Torah is teaching us, my friends, that when one does a sin, an Avera, against another individual, it is not simply a sin, man, against man, but every sin of Ben Odom Lechavero, man against man, is also a sin against Hashem. Why? Because as the Torah teaches in chapter 9, in Parshas Noach, Pasuk 6, the Torah says, Shofech dam adam, if someone spills the blood of man, adam through man, meaning the court of man, Domo Yishafech, capital punishment. But that's not where the Torah ends. The Torah gives a reason, because literally, in the image of God, to see the image of God in man, and to realize, therefore, that any and all infraction and against man is also an infraction against God, against the godliness that's in man, that is the very important lesson that's being taught to us at the end of this week's parsha. And Rav Yaakov goes on to say, take note that the rabbis teach us that if someone recites Lashon Hara, the Gemara in Erechin, 15b, so what is he? He's a kind of kofer bi'ikar. It's why? It's, it's if he is literally denying the existence of Hashem. How so? So says the Chafetz Chaim, in his Shmiras Haloshon, in the end of chapter 4, of Shar HaZechira, something very sharp, that unlike the Mishnah that says at the beginning of chapter 2 of Avos, look up, my friends, this week's Perek of Pirkei Avos, and note that there are three things that are happening in heaven all the time. There's an eye in Roha. There's an eye that sees what we do. There's an Ozen Shoma'as. There's an ear that hears. And all our acts are being written down and transcribed. And they don't miss anything upstairs. Now watch. When a person speaks Lashon Hara, says the Chafetz Chaim, he looks around. Is that person around? Is his best friend around? Ah, oh, he's making very simply like the Ganov. The Ganov pays double because I don't see God. Ah, oh, same thing over here. He says the Lashon Hara because after all, I don't see him, his friend, okay? And therefore, there is like Kfira. And so too, quotes 
Rav Yaakov Zatzal, the Gemara in Ksubos 68a, that if a person literally does not respond by giving charity to someone who's in need of charity, it's akin to idolatry. Hello, how's that? The idea is, what do we believe? That you were given this money in order that you should, come on, give it for charity. When you don't give it for charity, you're saying, excuse me, God, it's not you who's given me this money. It's me. It's my intellect. It's my, my, my. And that is a kind of negating, capital H, his presence, his involvement. It's like Avodah Zarah. So what we learn from the end of Parshas, Baaloscha, is that very important lesson. Once again, that any and every infraction, man against man, is not only just that, man against man, but it also includes man against God. Why? Because man is created in the image of God. Wow. Look at his self-worth. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Jam in the AM Friday morning with brand new Miami. I want to thank you, Achmiel Begun, for being here yesterday. If you missed it, uh, go to Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. The video is there, Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. We had an amazing opportunity to talk about the brand new album. Really, really good stuff. I must say, really, really good stuff. I want to thank those who are supporting us by going to FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org. I uh, got a donation um, uh, this morning from Robert Rogoff in Passaic, New Jersey. I thank you. It's in honor of Tova in Israel and all of our children. I thank you very much for that. Uh, also just got a donation very recently uh, from my good friend Moshe Orley. And thank you, Moshe. It's in honor of uh, grandchildren Talia, Shoshana, and Sipora. I've met those grandchildren. Uh, thanks for the great programming and music. A special recognition to Rabbi Yudin for his uh, thought-provoking Devay Torah that has become part of our Erev Shabbos routine. Thank you, Aviva, and thank you, Moshe. Friday morning broadcast. It's JM and the M on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha, candle lighting at 8 o'clock, 17 minutes before the hour. I mentioned uh, earlier that during the show yesterday, um, uh, we heard of the uh, the passing, uh, the very sudden passing of Rabbi David Kamenetsky. And um, uh, we heard about it during the show, and we we generally uh, these days we we our policy about what, when to announce these types of uh, of news items has changed over the years. Right now, we generally will not announce it until some type of public email goes out, or it's obvious that you know all the family members you would hope at that point have been informed, and that it's becoming uh, you know news that's getting around. And um, so I didn't mention it during yesterday morning's show, but uh, yesterday around noontime when we were on the air, I started, or around 11 o'clock, I started the live lunch broadcast uh, by mentioning it and extending our condolences, of course, to the Kamenetsky family. Um, Dr. Laz, my good friend for so many years, posted the following about Rabbi David Kamenetsky. And I usually, I, when it's somebody I, I love and care about, and Rabbi Kamenetsky is certainly in that category, um, I always try to do an appropriate tribute and to, to say words that uh, would be meaningful to the family, a family that I love. They have so many people in the Kamenetsky family that are easy to love and and mean so much to the Jewish community, as you, I'm sure you've seen, those of you who've been following um, the different comments that are out there on social media. But I, could, I said to myself, I can't do this any better than Dr. Laz did it. So Dr. Laz, uh, David Lazarson, who many of you are familiar with, he gets on Facebook and he writes, sad, sad news, dear friends. The amazing Rabbi David Kamenetsky has passed on. This is truly a huge loss for all of us. He was a remarkable, caring, and wonderful person, a true role model in every sense of the word. I am ever grateful for his wisdom, warmth, and professional guidance over the years. Six years working together at Manhattan Day School, where Rabbi David Kamenetsky led the way as our illustrious principal, and the 13th summers together at Camps Heller and Muganov, RDK, as he was affectionately known, always led by shining example. Many talked the talk, but he always walked the walk. His way, his standard is indeed the most proper of ways, but a very tough act to follow for us ordinary folks. In all those years, I never once heard him raise his voice to another, never once heard him speak badly of another, Never even heard him complain, not once. His whole demeanor was one of support, encouragement, compassion. He possessed a vision that most of us can't even begin to imagine. Oh, he's such a huge, bitter loss for Klal Yisrael and the entire world. And then I added, when I shared uh, Dr. Laz's post, I added the following. 
I said, Laz, you have summed up the feelings of many of us. He was a giant. He was the Jew and human being we all strive to be. Our heartfelt condolences to his legendary family. And yes, our heartfelt condolences to the entire Kamenetsky family. It is hard to believe that Rabbi David Kamenetsky was taken uh, from us so suddenly. And um, for those of you curious, uh, um, aside from uh, knowing Rabbi Kamenetsky in his capacity at uh, Maginav and in the camping world and, and being someone very close to my brother at that time uh, during his camping experience, uh, he was the principal, Rabbi Kamenetsky was, of uh, Manhattan Day School until Binyamin was uh, finished with second grade. So we had that opportunity to be together as a parent and principal in that setting. And then I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I spent an amazing Shabbos up in Maginov with Binyamin when he was a little kid at the Kamenetsky home in Maginov. And um, did a, I, I emceed a concert that, the camp, I believe it was the camp, was somehow involved with at Monticello Raceway that Saturday night. I think it was Shabbos Nachamu. And had the most pleasant and amazing Shabbos with Roy Kamenetsky and his family. So, um, what can I say? Our condolences to the Kamenetsky family. As I said, uh, as I responded or emphasized Laz's uh, comments, he was a giant. He really was. And I had one other family connection I'll never forget. Um, my mother never, my mother of blessed memory never, ever stopped reminding us that Rabbi Kamenetsky's father was the first person to, um, to sign her paycheck. And the reason that was significant is because my mother was 18 years old when her father passed away and for obvious reasons needed to immediately get into the workforce and Rabbi Kamenetsky gave her a job. So there's always been a tremendous history between the Kamenetsky and the Siegel families. Friday morning broadcast, and then this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baaloscha. Candle lighting, 8 o'clock. Reminder, you can support us by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank all of you for participating. You know, there was a song that David Lowy, um, <clears throat> excuse me, David Lowy has just released, uh, a song called Colorful. It's a brand-new single. It's for you, brand-new, at the best place for brand-new Jewish music right here at JM in the AM. Stirring in that summer breeze Whispering those ocean waves Just bluer than they've been I tip my eyes up toward the sun I can feel that summer has begun Gonna stop to take it all in Cause I'm captivated by the world When all its hues unfold And every part of me wants to shout It's a colorful life And I feel alive Today I'm seeing it shine So I got my colors out now, figuring out how today I'm gonna color in mine. It's a colorful life, and I feel alive today. I'm seeing it shine, so I got my colors out now, figuring out how today I'm gonna color in mine. 
now the brush is in your hands Go paint the town like only you can Streaks the sun to clear up the despair Why take it in just black and white When you can have neon lights Let that shade of happy shine bright Why settle for those shades of grace Same for the rainy days Let every part of you shine yeah, It's a colorful life and I
Hashem Melech off of the Waterbury album here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha in New York. It's 8 p.m. candle lighting time. And it's time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Coming up next, Naomi Nachman. She's got the next edition of Table for Two. Gitty Halberstam of uh, Miscale Liquors. Donnie Klein of yeah, that's kosher.com and Dudi Shaglov, proprietor of Bison and Bourbon and Noga, are all Naomi's guests coming up. All right, that's coming up next, plus a full day, as you would suspect, of amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos selections. First with the uh, Erev Shabbos show with uh, Mark Zamek, and then, of course, our Shabbos mix, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Don't forget, Aleb presents our coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade this Sunday. Matis is on starting with JM Sunday at 7. We're on at 11 from 5th Avenue. Make sure to be tuned in, all courtesy of Aleh. With a big thank you to our sponsors, Carmel Winery, Rothenberg Law Firm, Uden's Appliances, and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend. See you Sunday at the parade. Tell the Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.